Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. And my name is Aaron, and with me, as always, is Dave and Fredo. Guys, how you doing today? Hello, doing good, doing well. Dave's got his eggnog. I've got the opposite end of the spectrum with Guinness. Um, Fredo, what are you rocking tonight? Yeah, just some iced tea. Uh, having some medical procedure in the morning. I was gonna say, what are you religious or something? Now, now I got about three to four hours before I have to go. No water, no nothing. Uh, fasting before they ultrasound me. So, awesome! awesome. Hooray! Yeah, uh, no. Getting well, old sucks. Don't do it. I, I I hope everything is is fine. Yeah, getting old sucks. Yeah, I went to the eye doctor today, and they took my contacts out, and I was like, oh, I can't see anything. I'm like, they're gonna they're gonna put me in a home anyway. So that's me next week. I got to go, uh, next Wednesday, I think I got to go to the eye doctor, my annual checkup. So yeah, the who Dat Jedi podcast will be on the road next week as we follow Fredo to his various medical, uh, appointments. <laughs> get off my lawn! Brought to you by ARP. That's right. <laughs> Good news, everyone. I'm in terrible pain. So, uh, Anyway, uh, well, let's uh, let's talk let's talk Houdat stuff just real quick here. So uh, the Saints now have the longest uh, streak in the NFL and the best defense. Um, twenty twenty is the world upside down, isn't it? I mean, this is yeah, wow. I mean, they uh, of course being a Falcons game. Anybody who's like, oh, the Saints trying to give away the Falcons game, it's like every Falcons game is like like that. That's a diff- I mean, if it's a division game, it's going to be close. Very, very rarely do intra-division games turn into blowouts in the NFC South. But uh, any, but to to sweep the Falcons, um, and uh, that was awesome. And of course, we've uh, we've clinched a playoff berth. Yes, because so, the Lions did us a solid. Yeah, yeah. Somehow um, they beat the Bears. We we won't say anything to Scott Colesby about that. So uh, yeah, oh, um, no. he'll say all the stuff. We don't need to say it. And uh, so yeah, no, the, the Saints are are rocking and a rolling. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Um, and they yeah. get another rookie quarterback on Sunday. And Jalen Hurts, I just that's one of the. It's like the Broncos game. You don't really want to lose to that guy. Well, yeah, this is another. This is going to be another one of those games where he has his Hall of Fame, you know, his Hall of Fame. We have game. no film. We have no film on him. It's completely random. Let's see what happens. Anyway, all right. Well, this is a so that's the who dat stuff out of the way, um, you know. But keep going, Saints. Um, and uh, however, I do have to say that I recently switched to AT and T TV. And they're having some kerfuffle with CBS right now. So we do not get CBS on our, and the chiefs game is on CBS. So in the next couple of weeks, if they don't get this figured out, Aaron's going to be figuring out how to hook up an antenna to his uh, TV um, or find the most sanitary place that nobody goes to, to watch the saints game when we play the chiefs. So well, hold your horses because that game might get flexed Sunday night. Uh, that's true. But if it's still on CBS, then I'm well. If it's Sunday night, then it'd be uh, NBC. NBC game. Right on. Okay. Same. But still, AT and T. Come on. Anyway. All right. So <laughs> get it right. together. That's right. Um, all right. So on to Star Wars, and as always, it is time for 
trivia and it's to get our brain kind of wrapped around it's our warm-up activity get it wrapped around star wars this is the trivial pursuit dvd star wars saga edition so if you're playing along at home i just drew three cards out of the middle of the deck um and first one i look at um dave what is luke's two-word response when leia wonders if han quote cares about anything or anybody i care I care. That is it. That's that's like that was such seventh grade, you know, <laughs> fighting over a girl. That was just you know, that was just yeah. Kind of funny. Very very transparent. Luke is not hiding his emotions in the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, one for one, Fredo. Where do Imperial Scout sh- ships? Be careful, Aaron. Where do Imperial scout ships discover the remains of a rebel base? Ooh. I'm going to go and say Dantooine. It is Dantooine. Or as uh, Boba Fett would say it, how would you say Dantooine? I just, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. So, uh, and now it is my turn. Who frightens off a mouse droid in the Death Star's hallway? Oh, come on. Chewbacca. <laughs> it is Chewbacca. All right. We are three for three tonight. Hope you played along. Um, we're going to have to find some tougher cards. Um, so, Or when this pandemic is over, go back to Star Wars trivia at Reginelli's that time. Fredo and I just kind of mopped yeah. the floor with everybody. <laughs> Actually, Britt was yeah. with us too. And um, I'll never forget, I answered one question and the people came up and said, how did you know that? It's like... Yeah, it's amazing. I'm married, right? <laughs> you need yeah. to you need to check out my guest room. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, all right, cool. Well, it's uh, we got a lot of news this week, so Fredo, throw it over to you. What's happening in Star Wars land? Okay, so we'll go quick. A couple of these items are kind of easy. Uh, first one is Diego Luna was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel's show last night, or uh, a few nights ago actually. And he basically confirmed that. Uh, filming on Cassian Andor has begun in London. He basically tells them, yeah, I'm in London making, quote, a short film with some friends, end quote. So uh, good news there is um, he's, they've, they've started production. I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll see it in 2021. I would imagine we'll more likely see it in 2022 springtime. But it's good to know that the train started uh, moving once again on all these productions that uh, that is not just oh we're rumor casting and hoping that we might get no well enough going so we can do it at some point. And uh, Obi Wan series starts in January, starts filming. Right. right. Yep, that's the rumor right now that they'll start after the holidays in La- in London, also in Pinewood Studios. The funniest thing about that was when they were talking about the <laughs> Obi Wan series. They said, "Well, they'll be filming in Boston," <laughs> and, and it was like. It was Boston, England. It wasn't Boston, Massachusetts. And everybody would made all the hilarious. Hey, you got to get this name. lightsaber. It's a wicked pisser. All of a sudden, everybody started quoting Goodwill Hunting and uh, all the movies of Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. So it was a fun, uh, I don't know, 12 hours or so. So remind mm-hmm. me when we uh, talk about, and I'll try to remember, uh, rem- but when we get down to talking about Grogu in this uh, latest episode, 
and to just somebody say Obi-Wan and I'll, I'll say it then. Cause yeah, I heard something that at somebody's, it's not a spoiler, but it's kind of a, a thought and a what if. So anyway, and I like throwing those out there. All right, cool. So, uh, so next bit of news, even though it has the first one hasn't come out, the first novel hasn't come out. They've officially announced that starwars.com, the next novel in the high Republic series. Now, this, this is the next adult novel, the one that will follow uh, Light of the Jedi, which comes out in early uh, next year. Adult this novel for, makes it sound dirty. Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, adult reading level, let's put it this way, or grown-up <laughs> reading level. It's supposed to be called... Books and cross and books and It's called uh, Star Wars The High Republic, The Rising Storm. It's being written by uh, Kevin Scott. <laughs> Aaron is losing it right now. <laughs> he did it to himself. That's a self-inflicted burn. Anything with the with rising in the title. Well, I after we talked about it being this. an adult novel, I mean, <laughs> it's not the quiet storm. It's the rising storm. <laughs> the storm that rises. Okay. It sounds like a really, it sounds like a really bad uh, German power metal. Uh, song. Anyway. Oh yeah, this, yeah. So anyway. you, guys seen, you guys seen Onward? You know this is yes. how this is how Dave is a really good parent. You can tell because he just totally steered that conversation to a different <laughs> different direction. <laughs> That's why Dave's good parenting. All right. So Onward? No, I haven't. Oh well, that title would would sounds like it would fit in in that movie. It's very D and D style of. Uh of movies so so uh just right quick i'll read kind of the what writer kevin scott says he says rising storm sees the knee hill taking their reign of terror to the next level building on their appearances in light of the jedi and beyond standing in their way this time are newly elevated jedi council members Stellan Gios, along with padawan bell Setifar. so i guess these other characters will meet in Light of the Jedi, and an old intriguing new character, a saber for hire, Ty Yorick, who I've had a blast creating. So, says Yorick is a Force-sensitive monster hunter with a mysterious path. So, that's interesting, you know. Uh, a, a saber for hire. I don't think we've ever heard of that before. Yeah. You so, know, <clears throat> I will say one of the things that uh, drives me batty about um, Star Wars novels are mm-hmm. the names. And I, yeah. it's one of the things I really appreciate what they've done with the Mandalorian. And maybe it's just because you are hearing the names rather than trying to phonetically, you know, sound these things out and all the apostrophes that they put in and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it, it seems like the the names that we've gotten in the Mandalorian are very approachable and very, you know, manageable. But when you're reading them, it's like, dude, come on. And it, Two consonants separated by a, a, an apostrophe, you know, it's or like, you know, help me out a little bit here. But anyway, so yeah, some of the names just drive me bonkers. And it's interesting, the release date that they announced is July 6th of 2021. So it seems like they're going to try to follow much in the same way as they did with the Throne and any other Star Wars publishing. They'll have a sequel every six months or so following on the previous book. And in the meantime, they'll pepper in young adult novels, comics, the whole nine. And they might even include, so moving on to the next story, an animated series. So uh, let me see. This is from Cinelinks. They're talking about uh, rumors that 
Apparently, there's a rumor that Lucasfilm and Disney are looking to develop three animated series. And one of them is a High Republic TV show. So High Republic animated TV series. There's no specific details. They don't know whether it'll include characters from the books or the comics, whether it'll be a whole new story. Uh, so part of the idea is they know they're going to have the Bad Batch, but they're looking to develop some new stuff and they're figuring, well, we're going to have this High Republic stuff here. Let's start mining it for other projects. I like it. You know, I, you I, know it's, a, it's a fun era. We haven't explored it before. There's a lot of stuff they can do with it. Uh, um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. It'd be interesting, just wondering how, because all the animated stuff that we've seen so far has been within the timeline that we've been living. And so you can put some, you can have some attachment to it and it'll kind of have some relevance to what you know with Star Wars. I mean, you know, Resistance was in between, you know, as well as right up against, you know, Force Awakens. Um, the Obviously the Clone Wars in between episode two and episode three. Um, to put something that is Star Wars totally outside of the timeline of what we've been living. Because even, I mean, that's, I'm just talking animated, but even if you talk live action, I mean, The Mandalorian is still within this timeline that we've been living. So it'll be interesting to see how, if this becomes like Star Trek Deep Space Nine or something, you know what I mean? Where it's like, right. oh, that's Star Wars? You know, so it's a good thing that it's or filled with Jedi. It's tied, but it's tangentially tied because it's <coughs> it's more using the concepts and the ideas as opposed to characters and settings that we know. I mean, we'll have Coruscant, we'll have the Jedi Temple, Yoda will be there, but how much of that is at the foreground versus the background will be interesting to see. I mean, it's clear that they're not they're looking at the High Republic not just as a publishing venture. I mean, they already came out with a VR game for it. They're going to come out with a VR game for it. And more likely, they're going to try to, you know, not just animate it, but if it hits well, could potentially look to develop it into other Disney Plus show or uh, movie. So, cool. So, speaking of movies, and I'll just mention this briefly. Uh, a few weeks back, we mentioned the Star Wars archives, the prequels uh, book, the big old coffee table book that was, that was coming out, uh, written by author Paul Duncan, and he wrote it with collaboration with George Lucas. So, uh, some of the quotes now started kind of as people are getting the book and looking at it. Uh, so, a story kind of came out as to why Lucas decided to sell Star Wars. So, I'll just kind of briefly go through some of his quotes. He says, At that time, so around 2010-11, I was starting to make the next trilogy. I talked to the actors. I was starting to gear up, but I was also about to have a daughter with my wife. And for those of you who recall, I believe George Lucas had married somewhere between 2005 and 2010. And somebody they'd known each other. Uh, forget it. Let me see if I have the story as her name. Uh, so uh, anyway, but uh, he says, it takes me 10 years to make a trilogy. So episodes one, two, three took me from 95 to 2005. I'd still be working on episode nine right now. In 2012, I was 69. So the question was, am I going to keep doing this for the rest of my life? Or do I want to go through this again? So finally, I decided I'd rather raise my daughter and enjoy life for a while. So he says, I couldn't have sold Lucasfilm, gotten somebody to run the productions, but that isn't retiring. Uh, he did that on Empire, he did that on Jedi, and he tried to stay out of the way, and he couldn't. He was there every day, 
And even though the big free big friends working on it, it looked great. He had to be involved because he's a micromanager and he can't help it. So he figured that the only way he could really separate himself from that potential to get involved again was to just sell it entirely, be rid of it. And that's kind of where the um, discussions with Disney came about. You know, I, I, I respect all of that. I think that was probably a good choice for him and where he's in, uh, where he's at in his life. Um, we all have to make those decisions between family and work and uh, in our day-to-day -day lives. But I, you know, I can't help thinking that it was for the best. I know that we've gotten kind of a mixed bag with Disney so far, but um, how to put this delicately when the when a an heir inherits an empire it doesn't always translate well with the next generation they don't typically make the they don't have the same the, the same sort of instincts um they don't have the same understanding of the property it's just always different so for him to make the decision to sell to you know, a company that knows what it's doing. I mean, Disney has been making family entertainment for um, forever um, now. So it um, assuring Star and in terms of assuring Star Wars a future, it probably was the best decision he could have made. Yeah, it's kind of it, it, taking it to the sports world. It's like the the coach that has been there forever. It's like. When, when when Nick Saban decides to you know leave Alabama, they're going to have to you know make sure that they have somebody that's going to it can't be somebody that's as old as him, you know, because there's not going to be you need somebody who's going to have some uh yeah yeah a new a new energy to it, but while you know holding on to to tradition. Um, you can't of, be his kid. I mean, like right. specifically, like yeah. you just that. That never works out. It just doesn't. Like uh, sports, going back to sports examples, uh, Paul Brown's kid, Mike Brown. The Bengals have done nothing in thirty years since Paul Brown died. Um, uh, Dave, what's the old quote in college basketball that you don't want to be the guy following the legend? You want to be the oh, guy yeah. following the guy who followed yeah. the legend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's absolutely true, but. It was just these family sorts of handoffs. They just, uh, you know, especially in the creative industry, it just, I, I, I don't feel good about it. Cause you're like, you know, going back to your coach analogy, it's like, I'm going to hire, um, I'm going to zero in on a person, regardless of that person's connections to the previous coach, you know, whether it's their kid or somebody else, I'm zeroing in on one person. You've limited your talent field from you know endless possibilities down to one person <laughs> and it's just it's not a smart way to do business so i mean from that perspective it's like i like star wars i like that we're getting lots of star wars content i'd like to see more star wars into the future um i i just think i can think this is the best possible situation for star wars right now however you know what what's been created for star wars is like the you know the van halen um hagar versus uh david lee roth you know fans there are people who are all van hagar and then there are other people who are like no 
Van Halen. So you have the the George Lucas people <clears throat> who we may be, you know, straddling that a bit. And then there's those who are like, no, we need to get away from, you know, the original trilogy and, you know, sure. Okay, George, you had your ideas. Now it's time to go elsewhere. So we are at an interesting path. And I think you're right, though. I think it was, I mean, it, yeah, it's sometimes it's time just to hand it off to somebody and see what they can do with it. So uh, just to think, I mean, if you're looking to secure the long-term future of the franchise, selling it to Disney is probably the best choice you could have made because they're incentivized to continuously touch upon creative forces to come up with new material, to come out with new movies, new series, new games, new park rides, new everything. Because there's a financial investment behind uh, Disney that says we need to get more product out. Huh. So there's, you know, whereas if it had been, whereas well, if it had been uh, stayed within Lucasfilms and Lucas's hands, the moment he passes away, who knows what happens to the property? I mean, it could very well have become one of those things where it bounces from people's hands around the way, and who knows what we get. Well, and and Disney is obviously in for the long haul because. And they made, they put two full-size Millennium Falcons in their parks and you just don't cover, you don't just retheme that into, you know, Toy Story, let's expand Toy Story land. And oh yeah, this is Andy's Star Wars toys. You know, it's like, no, that's not going to happen. So, you know, they building those parks, that's, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck. So, and I think that, I mean, he admits, uh, he thought he was going to be more involved in the sequel trilogy. Uh, another one we talked mentioned a story about the book a few weeks ago. We made mention that he had submitted story where it was going to be Maul and Talon as the main antagonists in a sequel trilogy, and then basically um, Disney Disney said thank you, we got it, and they went their own separate way. Uh, but so in some ways, it's, it's got to feel some some kind of disappointment in his part. But that's also the reason why he sold it, because he's honest. If he's if it's getting made, he's gonna want to be involved. And I think for his own health and for his family and for the peace of mind that he wanted to take and the opportunity, the other opportunities he mentions he wanted to build a museum, he wanted to do a few other things. Now he's got the time to do all that and focus on his family instead of being stuck on a set uh, or in the editing room for the next you know, decade building stuff yeah so anyway that's it for the news well cool and sorry for my hacking back here it's just post dinner you know yeah good dinner <laughs> good dinner yeah no it's all good yeah it's just yeah just uh yeah so it's just someone, settling someone done the wrong way. so apologize for the coughing uh but uh anyway so all right so let's uh move into the latest episode of the mandalorian and uh we're chapter 14 correct and it is titled the tragedy and once again um you know they disney plus does a great thing by not giving you the they don't even give you the titles when you open up disney plus you have to wait until you're you know playing the episode then you go oh yay look it's baby yoda oh the tragedy Ugh. I mean, I think that was literally, um, you know, Britt and I sitting there and she went, oh, God, okay, this is gonna be great. <laughs> of course, I was once again, two things popped up when I opened up Twitter, it was Boba Fett is trending with the tragedy. And I'm just like, God, God, 
All right. <laughs> All right. So now from yeah. now on, I, from now I on, Fri- well. Friday is going to be just a no, no Twitter day. So everybody's just going to have to, I'll be on Facebook if you want to talk to me on those days because <laughs> Twitter people can't help themselves. Um, <clears throat> I got up Friday morning and I went, Oh wait, today's Mandalorian uh, release day. I made sure to not touch my phone. I grabbed my iPad. I made some coffee. I grabbed some breakfast, sat on my couch, fired up Disney Plus and watch it. And because we knew it was only going to be 30, 35 minute uh, total runtime, I was like, okay, well, I can do this before I get to work. And I watched it. And I'm like, I thank the stars that I did that because no way <laughs> it could have lasted. Because, yeah, the moment, the moment I then went to Twitter, it was, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. everywhere so yeah so okay so the recap i'm not really going to do much of a recap because (laughs) this is pretty much what happened um you have the mandalorian and grogu are flying into tython and they see the the temple with the seeing stone and they land and he puts grogu on the rock on the seeing stone says okay do your thing and then slave one flies in and oh my goodness, I my, I might have giggled. I mean, because that was so I, I was fanboying out at that point. Because yeah, we we saw Boba Fett in you know the first episodes. We knew he was coming. You know, Tamara Morrison. We knew that was coming and everything. But I and I was always joking about you know Slave One's parked there somewhere. He's you know right. What's gonna happen? Here it comes flying in, and I was just like, oh, that was so cool. You know, over the California desert. Anyway, <clears throat> um, so. Um, meanwhile, uh, Grogu is making some connection to the force because he has a literal force field around him on the seeing stone. And so, and that din can't break through and, but here comes slave one flying in. So he's got to go take care of that. And so he gets into a short little gunfight with, uh, with Boba Fett. And we find out that lo and behold, Fennec Shan is with him. So, you know, uh, it was, um, uh, Oh, just lost her name. Uh, Migna Wen. Yeah, Migna Wen. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, there she is, and uh, you know, it was Boba Fett saved her, so that was confirmed. You all, you guys who were saying the Spurs gave it away that it was Boba Fett coming to her. You're all right. You were all right. I was wrong. <laughs> so okay. However, I was the one saying that she ain't dead, and she ain't dead. So anyway, um, points so, to Aaron. So yeah, points on me. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, they uh, are kind of, I guess, uh, coming up with a uh, with a deal to help one another out, and um, all of a sudden, um, these troop transports fly down, and a bunch of stormtroopers come in, and we've got you know the the Battle of Gettysburg up whatever hill that was, and I was waiting for somebody to say that they had the high ground, but uh, the you know Boba Fett and uh, um, Fennec. Fennec Shan and then they did have the high ground anyway. So, but stormtroopers are coming up. They're trying to, they're coming to get the, the child. And, um, then all of a sudden, well, what Boba Fett wanted, Boba Fett wanted his armor, wanted his armor back from, and we find out that he is indeed of Mandalorian descent because Django was a foundling. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And so Din says, all right, well then the armor is yours. 
Uh, of course, that's later. Sorry, I got to back up because what happens as Finnick and um, Din are fighting people off, all of a sudden Boba Fett in the armor because he took the armor out of the Razor Crest and in the armor he comes out and just uses every weapon attached to him and just starts beating stormtroopers and blowing up stormtroopers within an inch of their life, a whomping and a whooping. You know, it was uh, every fanboy's Boba Fett dream was this scene, I think. Um, <clears throat> and so, um, but all of a sudden out of the skies um, comes a laser bolt and the razor crest is obliterated in one shot. So all you people who uh, spent $350 on the razor crest uh, from Hasbro, um, I guess you can always recreate you know, that scene in your backyard with a bunch of M80s or something. Just, you know, but anyway. Um, so the razor crest is blown up and dark troopers come down and uh take away and actually that he does moff gideon does call them dark troopers and so yep. four dark troopers come down and they scoop up the child who's done with his force seance whatever is going on and take him up to an imperial cruiser and boba fett fennec shan they say we're going to help you get the kid back that's you know part of the deal we made we'll talk about that in a little bit here and so they fly off to navarro and go talk to Cara Dune, who is now a New Republic marshal. And he, Din wants um, her to look up where, um, oh, what was his name? Bill Burr's character. Oh, Mayfield. 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 Want to know where Mayfield was because he needs to spring him. So we're going to apparently be seeing Bill Burr maybe coming up later. But he needs because he was ex-imperial, so he probably knows how to get into how to break through their system. But anyway, so then we cut back to the Imperial cruiser, and um, inside a cell is Grogu, like just force whomping stormtroopers all over his cell, and um, Moff Gideon comes in, and um, Baby Yoda, of course, using all the force and everything, just wipes himself out and he needs to take a nap, whatever. And um, there's some taunting that happens from Moff Gideon. And basically the last thing he said, hey, tell Pershing that we've got our our donor. Donor. So, and uh, that's, that's the episode in a nutshell. It's pretty much 30 minutes of Boba Fett wampin'. And then they, they finish up by putting Baby Yoda or Grogu in the tiniest shackles imaginable. Yeah, yeah. Ba- baby handcuffs, yes. Um, so, you know, for we're talking, well, this is going to be the shortest episode. It felt longer than 32 minutes. And there was not, an, uh, there was, the only time we stopped to catch our breath was when Boba Fett gave us the backstory of he and Django. And otherwise, it was just action. From, it was just a shootout from from word one, and it was awesome. It was it was just it was just you know there wasn't a lot that moved the whole story forward except for the fact that Grogu got captured. But um, but it was just it was just great just great action. I don't know. Just quick around the horn. What did you guys think? Did you ex- did you expect what was coming, or did you and did you like it? Oh, Dave. This is my favorite episode out of any of the episodes that have aired thus far. 
Um, and I think it's mostly because, well, a couple of things. The space western motif here is executed amazingly. Um, this is this felt like it was straight out of a western, but it also felt like it was straight out of Star Wars. I mean, this is this is just in keeping with what this series has established itself as to this point, and it kept it up. And I was just I love that. Um, I love the tension. Um, and you mentioned the set piece of like kind of the Jedi temple um, being on this rocky kind of setting. Um, and he mentions it early on. They always do this with the, there's foreshadowing early in the episode. that's going to tell you how this episode's going to go. Oh, we can't land. I can't find a suitable landing spot. So we're going to have to land at the base of this peak. Um, and they built the tension from that. They built all of the action piece, set pieces from that. It's like, well, we, you, like you talked about, we have the high ground, you know, we have to defend the high ground. Um, and then towards the end, he has to sprint up the side of the mountain to try to get Grogu before the dark troopers can kidnap him. And, you know, we've been building up to this moment for basically the entire season. Um, that they're going to try to get him back. And um, it was eventually going to happen, and then it happened, and it happened in a very tragic, uh, pulse-pounding kind of way. Um, and then Boba Fett being rescued from uh, the dumpster, so to speak. And I don't know, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Boba Fett. Um, so I won't say much more than that. But um, I loved those three elements uh, and you take them together. And like you said, there, there were no, there was no empty space in this episode. There was no filler. Uh, it was just, uh, it was just from the beginning to end it, uh, there wasn't a wasted frame and uh, I loved every second of it. Except for the one that had the helicopter in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as the one that had the, the half a dude behind the door, in yeah, front of the door. That's true. Fredo, what what'd you think? Uh, it's interesting because I remember last week when I said, yeah, it's the shortest episode. Well, what if it's nothing but 30 minutes of action? And that's pretty much what they gave us. I was like, wow, okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. Like, David's one of the top episodes for me because it highlights both what they can do with the show as well as the lack of restraint or or mandates that Disney puts on uh, Favreau and Filoni. I mean, most shows, even on streaming services, oh, you got to be an hour long or 50 minutes. Now, Dave Filoni and, uh, um, and John Favreau gave Robert Rodriguez a 19-page script, which, for those of you who don't know, usually a page of a script is equals a minute of runtime. So he's like, well, wait a minute, you want me to make a 20-minute episode? He's like, no, no, we're expecting you to fill it out with action beats and moments and he's like okay cool i can do that so that's what he did so i love the fact that from the start there a lot from the moment you see the, the title of the episode the tragedy you're like things are gonna get bad just the way it's gonna go this is the episode where bad stuff happens but it doesn't start off that way it starts a very heartwarming uh Grogu and then kind of bonding okay they you know he jets back him to the top of the temple and Grogu's having a fun time, and then 
obviously there's not an on switch that he can tell Grogu to touch. And then when he sees Slave One, he's like, okay, now we got to get out. And that's when Grogu connects with the force of the temple and begins having that force vision and can't be reached. That's I did love... That's a very mm-hmm. good tension builder as well. Well, like, uh, mm-hmm. highly effective. I mean, it was like, uh, you, like you said, you can't turn it on and off. He can't control the timing of this thing, and all of a sudden, there are other players on the chessboard. Yeah, very, very much like a. If you ever play video games, one of those defending missions where you got to defend somebody, which are always <laughs> the most, the, the, the worst, they're, they're the most difficult. That was basically it. And, I love that they also set up the okay. You put down your jetpack. We'll put down our guns, because that goes that leads back to we'll, we'll get, why we'll get to that then, here in a little bit. I have I, right, I have questions but, about that. Yeah, right, right. No, without a doubt. But again, it's building up to why is that they can't just go get Baby Yoda before the dark troopers get him. Yeah, you know, it's it's all in service of the story. This is the moment when the worst thing that can happen to Din and, and Grogu is going to happen, and that is they get forcibly separated by Moff Gideon. I love uh, Tamora Morrison. I love Mingna Wen. I mean, she's been awesome for the last 30 years. That's not, our, that's not a hyperbole to say she was awesome in this. But I love the way that they presented the dynamic between Boba and Din. Because Boba is an elder. He's serious. But he, has, he is 100% Mandalorian in every way, except the one that causes then to pause and say about the armor. I love the fact that that uh, when he talks about getting his armor and he's, uh, Din thinks he's coming for his, meaning Din's, and Bo's like, I don't want your armor, I want my armor. Yeah. You know? And, so, and then he goes and gets it, and of course, he becomes the ultimate McConkey and uh, laying stormtroopers. I also will say right quick, I love the fact that they brought in the phase three dark troopers. You know, somebody who played Dark Forces way back in 96, 97. It was awesome to see them live action and them keeping the style of them and whatnot. So uh, it perfectly sets it up for the last two episodes of the series. So if you look at the whole arc of the show, this is the episode where things go bad. And now we got to go on a rescue mission. So uh, just in a nutshell, I'll just real quick, the things that, <clears throat> that first of all, I was um pleasant I, one of those episodes it just was a very it was just a pleasant surprise you know um and it was it was just fun um it, it really did feel like you were playing star wars in the backyard with you know your friends um that kind of episode but the thing that was that has struck me that i watched it a couple times since the the camera work in this episode is awesome like when mm-hmm. you know you see a shot of boba fett and they pan down and he's got the gaffy stick and it's and he's dragging it on the ground just like you know like like we've talked horror movie before it's like you know somebody dragging an axe and then he's just you know busting up stormtroopers with it um the the best shot was when he shoots his the rocket and hits one of the transports and the transport then crashes in the other one he just he just turns and looks into the camera and there's an explosion over his left shoulder or whatever it's just like that was, that was. Uh, I don't care what you do, Rodriguez, but this shot has to be in. <laughs> in you have to frame this shot. I'm sure it was the one thing that was on the menu. Um, but like I said, the cinematography was just awesome. It was just awesome. <clears throat> Pardon me again. Um, so let's uh, let's let's talk about back uh, Boba Fett. And first of all, 
um, we get his we get confirmation that he is and Django were, you know, Mandalorian because we find out Django was a foundling. And I'm choking again here. Um, But um, so, you know, there was a Clone Wars episode that everybody has been latching on to where the the prime minister of Mandalore was saying that, you know, Django Fett was just a bounty hunter. He was not Mandalorian. And so everybody's like, oh, okay, they said it in canon that he's not Mandalorian. It's like, yeah, but the character is kind of a, you know, McClunky. You know, it's so, you know, it's like... okay, but you're going to take whatever words come out of somebody's mouth as that is then canon. So that's what people were running with that Django and Boba, we even mentioned on this podcast that, I mean, that's just was conventional wisdom that Django and Boba were not Mandalorian. Well, they are. Um, and, um, what, I don't know, what'd you guys think of, of this backstory? And I, and actually I do want to say that, and we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit more here in a bit, but, when he was mentioning Django, my father before me, you know, that was, that, that tugged at me a little bit because you're taken straight back to, you know, attack of the clones and that this little kid watched his dad get beheaded by a Jedi, you know? Um, so to hear him, you know, refer to his father, that was, that was kind of a, that was kind of a tough moment. But I don't know. What'd you guys think about Boba Fett's backstory? Were you, are you satisfied? I enjoyed it so much. Um, and I know that maybe to, to your point, some people thought, Oh, well, it's slightly different than what we've been told before. But if the fundamental essence of the story hasn't changed, he was an outcast. He and his father were outcasts. And I think regardless of the status inherent in being a foundling um they did not feel welcome on mandalore um and so that story hasn't changed and the way that that defines uh boba is very affecting because we we've gotten zero indication up until this point that he ever cared at all about any of that you know uh, that he cared about Mandalore, that he cared about Mandalorian culture, that because um, we didn't know anything of that. I mean, dude yeah. was in that was in the movies for what you know two and a half minutes. <laughs> he was ba- he was basically still a blank slate, and um, there was we we had gone back and forth a lot. I think early on in this um, in our show here talking about this this series about. What if it were about Boba Fett or what if Boba Fett made an appearance? Um, And we were always under kind of like the impression that it was a good thing that he wasn't there. And I think like when you establish Din as the main character, yeah, Boba would take some of the oxygen out of the room. Um, And so it made sense for them not to introduce him until later on. Um, uh, Just because he has such a huge you know, fan fandom and huge following and everyone loves him and everything. Else, he would, he would have distracted from this, from the story. But at this point, Din has established himself. We have all attached ourselves to that character and we all appreciate that character. And so because of that, when Boba comes into this story, he becomes kind of a counterpoint to 
Dan in the same way that, you know, other Mandalorians are uh, like Bo-Katan in the earlier episode uh, earlier this season. They they become kind of a lens that you can examine this character through. Um, and I just I found his story so tragic. Um, we learn that he's a foundling. We see that he has suffered. Um, he's been denied his true heritage. Um, you know that he suffered in the pit of, in the stomach of the Sarlacc. Um, I think perhaps he's gained some perspective from all of that. But really, above and beyond all of that, like here's a person who has a tragic backstory and has suffered you begin to see his character shine through as well. And he agrees to um, a deal with Din in this story, and he sticks to it, and he lives up to it. And everything that he tells Din over the course of this episode is true. That is my armor. I have a right to that armor. Um later on in the episode i am going to help you retrieve the help you protect this child in exchange for the armor um he does he takes an honorable approach to everything that he does in this and so by doing that he shows din that you can kind of embrace the best characteristics of mandalorians you know like the honor and you know the the bravery and this and that um without subscribing to a particular rigid set of rules for your oneself he shows him a different way that you can you can be a mandalorian so we'll 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 come to a lot of that here in a little bit because i'm going to uh I'm going to challenge you on a few things cuz after watching it yeah. there's some things that make me you know uh, well, it, I don't. I don't disagree really with anything you said. It's just I'm always looking at it from a um, things aren't as always as they seem. That's what I'm. That's what I'm wanting. But I, but, but Fredo, before we get your, but I do want to take something what Dave was saying, and then I'll throw it to Fredo here because there was an awesome line um, that Boba Fett gives. You know, because Din says, "Fennec Shan, I thought you were dead." And he and Boba Fett says, sometimes fate steps in to rescue the wretched. And I mean, that line was so awesome and it sat, it was so out of place. But, um, and, and to me, it was speaking to here, Boba Fett has become, um, really a polarizing figure in Star Wars fandom. It's like you have the people who think, oh my God, that's the most awesome character that's only been on screen for like two and a half minutes. And then the other people on the other side are going, but, but the only thing is that he just looks cool. He doesn't do anything. And he's, you know, he's like knocked out in one swing of a, you know, a gun and he's eaten by a mo- you know, So they're, they're just, he's a punk, you know? So we, we never get any of this story. I mean, so nobody ever is just kind of like, eh, Boba Fett. Um, but what this episode did, I think, it's it rescued the wretched because it is like all right to all you people who said boba fett was just a punk can't say that anymore not after i mean here's old boba fett a whomping and a whooping you know and 
just and here you know all those fancy guns y'all and all weapons on his armor that y'all made fun of because he's got all these you know doodads here we're going to show you what every single one of them does i mean they stepped in to rescue the wretched they rescued this character i think in star wars lore fredo what, what do you think am i is that overreaction tuesday no 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 it isn't on the contrary i think you're closer to the truth than anything i mean uh let's be fair uh, everybody knew about boba fett before empire strikes back because of the holiday special he was a special toy you had to uh do all the hard work to get in the mail to you ahead of you know it didn't just exist on a shelf and then he was an empire and he was such a key figure in what happens there to characters that we love like han and leia and then of course so he was important enough to bring back in jedi so Clearly, he even though he had a small runtime, his presence was big. But here's the other thing about that about you know he talked about the, the action figure you had to get. He was he was the coolest looking character on the screen, and he's the one that you know all of us. I mean, we all created our own Boba Fett backstory because right. it was like Dave said, such a blank slate. We knew nothing, he, and that's why I think man. maybe in Attack of the Clones, when people found that he was just kind of you know a clone of Django, is kind of like, eh, you know, it didn't fit with that paradigm because everybody created their own Boba Fett paradigm. But I again, so I I, I I'll let, throw it back yeah. to you. But I think I, I think it was just what we saw was like I said, all those things that we, those stories that we created with our action figures way back when. He was the man with no name. That's basically he was Star Wars version of the Clint Eastwood character from the Man of no, with No Name trilogy. He has a blank slate for a face. He has a very basic name that you know, Boba Fett. It could mean anything. It can come from anywhere. You know, he's got that deep growly voice. Before uh, they put in Tamar Morrison's, you know, back when it was Jeremy Bullock. So he was very much and. Even just that idea of just a simple man trying to make his way through the galaxy. That was his ethos. He had no code beyond doing what he needed to survive. So it's very easy to kind of latch on and build whatever story he did. What I think this episode does for him is tremendous. Because not only, I mean, we got to see Boba a little bit in Attack of the Clones and then a little bit more in Clone Wars. So we got to know his character a bit better. But I think this is the most that we've we've ever gotten out of him. And just the idea we're able to make him fit now within the lore of Star Wars to say, okay, this is who he is, is tremendous. I also love, like they've said, this whole season has been about juxtaposing Din's narrow-minded view of what is a Mandalorian against the entire breadth of alternatives that we've seen before, whether it's Bo-Katan and her Night Owls, whether it's uh, Boba Fett right now, whether it's other coverts, he is getting exposed to more and more alternatives of what it means to be a Mandalorian than he did in season one. Okay, so, so I think that's going to come, that's the internal challenge that's going to create a dynamic for him to make some choices come, you know, the end of the season and maybe season three. Okay, so uh, this is where I'm going to step in with my, with my next part of this because I, I was right 100% with with Dave, you know, and watching this going, wow, talk, he's a man of honor. You know, he's like, I gave you my word, blah, blah, blah. Watching it a couple more times, there's some there's some things in there. There's some clues in there that it's not, I'm thinking of this song that I always sing on my back porch while I'm playing my guitar. It's like, 
said, um, there's fellows who'll cut you for the coat off your back. You know, things aren't always, his dad saying, things aren't always as they seem. And so there's a couple of things that I noticed because it does seem like Boba Fett is like doing the honorable thing. I told you that we would, you know, make sure that the child is safe. And so that's what we're going to do. Yeah, but that wasn't the deal. The deal was you give me my armor and we won't kill the child right now. That was that was the deal. And so it wasn't until after Boba Fett goes up and he sees the Imperial cruiser and he says, they're back. They're back. And he that that hits him. And so then all of a sudden it's like, and this is when he, this watch this and this, because uh, Ming-Na Wen, he says, um, he says, no, not, we're not quite done yet because Din said, that's the deal. So, you know, okay. See you later. He said, no, we're not quite done yet. And Ming-Na Wen gives this look like, uh, dang it. You know, Din, what is it? What are they saying? Din Farik or whatever. Uh, she's, she's got, the, she, she, she gives this look that it's it's kind of like when Han Solo, you know, in in Force Awakens when, you know, Rey's talking and he has this look on his face like he knows more about what's going on than yeah, it's it's just this cutaway to Ming-Na Wen that makes it look like she's like it's a bad idea. Um I think Boba Fett has some he has his own motives and it's not just because he's a boy scout in Mandalorian army or, uh, armor um, and he doesn't give root and toot about the kid because he was going to gun it down, you know, if he didn't get his armor back, he has some score to settle with the empire. Um, and he's yeah. using, he's going to use din. So we're saying that he's, he's seeing, you know, an example of, of, you know, how, how you can be a Mandalorian. Yeah, you're right. That's one way of how to be a Mandalorian, you know? Um, I don't know. Did, did you guys notice any of those things? It's like, is he a man of what's his play is a man of honor or is it scum and villainy possible i mean like again i i wouldn't rule any of that out but i think the point becomes he's not one note well i think i think you know storytelling perspective and from if i'm if i'm favreau and filoni it's like you're hooking us by going look he's a he's a bad and he's a man of his word and everybody's like Oh, swoon, Boba Fett. Yes, I'm with him. And then it's going to be WWE and he's going to turn heel in the last episode. And that's where you turn the emotion. You get your your viewership, that emotion, you know, the, those emotions going. I don't know. That's just, I'm sorry. I'll let you talk. You, you could very well end up in that place. And I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, and I really, again, I'm not sitting here saying that, oh, I, I understand every, you know, piece of his character but we've gotten so much more than we ever had before and i think like that's the thing you're talking about rescuing this character and um it wasn't just watching him wreck shop though that was great um you know like wow he still is this amazing fighter and he can still do all these amazing things and oh he's so cool yeah he's cool again um no, I mean, to me, the best parts of this were those conversations and trying to find hidden layers, potentially, but also just, wow, we're getting some of that backstory filled in. We're learning who he is, and we're learning how that relates to Din. 
And all of that is just is just marvelous. I, you know, if he heel turns, great. You know, and I and I think I think you're both right that I mean it is, you know, he is. We've talked about this on the show. He is learning about you know that basically that his narrow minded way of this is the way isn't just the way because you know Boba Fett says my I give my allegiance to no one. And because he said, then you're Mandalorian. He just said, I give my allegiance to no one. Um, he was very adamant about that. Um, so it's like, you know, the, the line I thought of uh, when I was thinking about this episode was instead of this is the way these are the ways. I think like that's kind of where we're headed with this. Um, and I'd be really curious to see if we if we get more examples for him to bounce off of. Are we going to get a Sabine? Are we going to get some other Mandalorian characters who he can see again? Well, this is, this is an option. This is an option for me to go this other route. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, just put it this way. You could be hundred percent right. I mean, for all we know, you know, Boba Fett took the job to go find, because how did he find Mando? I mean, I know we know he's a really good tracker and whatnot, but he was able to find where he was going before the, before, uh, Gideon's forces showed up, and Gideon's forces had a tracker on their ship. See, and if it wasn't so, for the fact that we, if it wasn't for the fact that he flew up there and said, it, you know, it's it's them, you know, I would right. I would have thought that he was working with the Empire because you know it's you know he he makes no not until you take off that jetpack, you know, right. basically putting din at the bottom of the hill so he can't fly up to save the child that's why i was there's almost part of me that's wondering is he working with the empire and he's selling this oh my goodness the empire's back oh heavens to murgatroyd you know you know uh if he's just selling a bill of goods well my my question is he doesn't necessarily have to be working for the empire themselves there could be other clients out there who he may be working for and they may not be necessarily after the child see that's the other thing Again, we go. We we stated this now the last several weeks. We've made a big deal about Mandalorian armor, about the value of Beskar. Maybe there's somebody out there out for you know hunting for Din, and Boba's best course of action right now is to keep Din near close to him, and looking to betray him later on. I don't know. I mean, he, given the nature of his character, any alternative is possible: the honorable path, the dishonorable path, the traitorous path. That, that's part of the beauty of his character is when he says, I'm a, I'll give my allegiance to no one, he actually means it. You know, all contracts are of a momentary nature until I get paid. Once I get paid, I'm at the door and I don't care. You know, in many ways, Boba is what Din could have been had he not found the child. Well, this is a trope that you see all the time in comic books. Mm-hmm. Where it's like the, the main villain is uh, basically a reflection of the hero. And uh, in that regard, Boba Fett, it would be a much greater, uh, better opponent for Din than Moff Gideon or anyone else. Um, right. Because they are the same in, in a lot of respects, you know, found lanes, uh, trying to wrestle with their relationship with being a Mandalorian and what that means. Um, you know, approaching this, this, this idea, this gig of being a bounty hunter in a different way from one another. Um, again, and if there's a heel turn, 
that whole sense of honor becomes a major <laughs> plot element at that point uh, and a major bone of contention between the two. Right. I guess I'm, I guess I'm just such a cynic, but you know, but I, but I do think it's like, you know, there, there's, when I see that, it's like, yeah, wow. It's this, is, you know, he, he, man, that guy's awesome and he's honorable and he's this, that, and then it's like something just smells off, you know? And of course we can't discount this is still the guy who, you know, did what he did in empire strikes back and was going to kill all of our favorite people in return of the Jedi. If he wasn't knocked into the Sarlacc, um, you know, so, um, I was also, I was actually kind of w- actually anticipating a line when he, you know, it was, I thought it was interesting that Din said, are you a Jedi? And I was actually kind of waiting for a line from Boba Fett of, because, you know, he probably isn't too fond of Jedi. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not too fond of Jedi at all. Um, but speaking of Jedi, I'm going to, I'm going to skip our next bullet point. We'll come back to that maybe later, but I want to go on to Grogu because while all this is going on with Boba Fett, Grogu is having some force seance. Um, first of all, um, there's a little Lords of Lord of the Ringish, you know, when he's up there and a butterfly comes down and he's, and it's also just a, a kid, you know, going, Oh, look, a butterfly when he's supposed to be, you know, doing his thing. We'll talk about that kid thing here in a little bit too. Um, but first of all, so Grogu does get into some sort of, he's communing somehow with the force. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Who do you think he's talking to? Who, who picked up the phone? And by the way, well, did you notice, I'll just throw this out as you guys are both kind of going, I don't know, and shaking your head. Um, if you watch one of the frames um, when Din's at the bottom of the hill and you look up and you see, you know, the blue light come up, there are two figures in around that, uh, like one supposedly, you know, is Grogu and the other, there's another figure there. It's just, it's just a figure. You can't make anything out, but um I'll let you See, guys that, go around and say what you think. Then I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw my, uh, national inquirer, you know, straight out, boy. straight out, straight out of my caboose, you know, theory. Go ahead. No, I was going to say right quick. Cause I didn't think it was a phone as much as it was a bullhorn, which, you know, in other words, I don't think it was a message directly to anybody. I think he was, uh, Grogu in that moment, just projecting himself out into the galaxy, which, could mean anybody could pick up. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't see the figure the first time I saw the episode because it's just a moment. Uh, it could be anybody. I mean, part part of me is thinking it's going to be somebody we have not met because, you know, in some ways that's kind of, you know, easier to fill in as opposed to, I mean, the, the other theory I always held is that the final shot of this season is going to be Ezra and Sabine. All right. So, so all right. So then I'm I'm here comes National Enquirer. Go. Um Obi Wan Kenobi. Ewan McGregor. Force Ewan McGregor, oh. force Ewan McGregor. Because back when, you know, Ewan's giving his, you know, press junket about something, they asked me, he's like, Yeah, and I tried on my robes and they just happened to be filming the Mandalorian. So they had me tested out in the volume and stuff like this. I'm starting to kind of cry some, some BS there that I'm wondering if it's you, you could have a Ewan McGregor because it doesn't have to be Alec Guinness. 
because mm-hmm. Grogu didn't know, you know. Oh, goodness. But maybe Grogu did know Obi-Wan Kenobi. And what if what if Obi-Wan is one of his former masters that trained him somehow? Not not saying Master Padawan, but you know, just it so you could have a Ewan McGregor talking to Grogu at some point. And because that just seems just odd. Like if you're going to try on the Obi-Wan Kenobi robe, you're not going to go where they're filming the Mandalorian where they just happen to have Jedi robes. They're not filming that in, you know, Lucasfilm studios. They're filming it in a rail yard in Los Angeles. So, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's I'm just saying it, it, it seems I, I'm I'm saying Obi Wan Kenobi. I'll I'll put five dollars on it. I don't have any spoiler information on that. I'm just saying, reading between the lines, and it would make total sense. It would make sense from a storytelling perspective if you think of Grogu's communication as being an attempt to reach out to a specific person, um, because he doesn't have any people. To reach out to if you think about any of the jedi that he might have interacted with um during when he was a a a youngling they're all dead um obi-wan's dead yoda's dead anakin's dead enormous dead (laughs) uh doom Doom is dead (laughs) <laughs> I, I just raised my hand on Google Meet yeah. uh, because here's the other thing. Ahsoka says someone got him out of the temple. Yeah. What if mm-hmm. as Yoda and Obi-Wan, as they're there after Order 66, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a flashback of we found the little baby Grogu hiding, you know, in the in the kitchenette. And so took him off somewhere, you know, and maybe gave him to, you know, somebody said, get him out of here, you know? So maybe it was, I mean, there are, there are so many things that you could, that, that it would make total sense because we're all sitting here going, well, how did he get out of the temple? Well, who were the only Jedi that were really in the temple? It was Yoda. And it was, you know, maybe it was Yoda saying, Hey, wait, we got to go get my kid. Um, but, (laughs) um, but no, I, 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 I this, it, it, it kind of, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he, he doesn't have to have been, you know, Obi-Wan's Padawan, but it was just maybe Obi-Wan taught some class that the kids just, you know, had to take and Grogu liked him, had a connection with him or something. So I, the problem that I see with this potential uh, outcome is he would have a hard time uh, writing it into the series in a way that it would make sense to, Den. <laughs> well, you know he he was talking to people in the afterlife. Oh, but all, and, you know, all clearly that, that's all the, a thing that, that you Ahsoka can do. Said, all that Ahsoka said was that you know is basically Grogu will choose what he wants to do. So this right. could be this could be just a Grogu moment, and he makes the decision. No, I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to train as a Jedi because maybe it was you know Obi Wan saying to him. You do what you got to do. You don't have to be a Jedi. And it's okay, you know, to have a connection with somebody. Maybe maybe that's just, you know, okay, I'm giving you this last bit of knowledge. Now I got to go off over do this thing. Um, that, that said, if he was getting that advice, 
he didn't follow it very well later in the episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. So throwing now, troopers around in the cell. I want to I talk about that right now because <laughs> I, I found it interesting the first time I watched it. And then again, I was watching it today in the opening scene where Grogu's in the cockpit playing with the little ball. And um, every each time, because uh, Din says the word Jedi twice and each time that he says jedi grogu just grunts just kind of goes Neh. he says don't you want to do that jedi stuff Neh. you know are you going to go with a jedi Neh. i mean he has a guttural reaction to the jedi so now go to the end of the episode and first of all he's not just some little padawan learner because he's like you said, throwing troopers around. We've seen him force choke, you know, uh, Cara Dune before, you know, we've seen him, you know, hold back flames. We've seen him take down a mud horn, all these, all these things. He's more of a Jedi or he's not a Jedi. He's got a lot of dark side tendencies and I don't think he cares about the Jedi all that much. And those two, I find it very, a very interesting choice that if it was just once, I would have kind of let it go. But it's twice that after he says Jedi. It makes me wonder if, if Grogu is equating Jedi with not Din. Because again, the, Could be. Ahsoka is very much equating, you know, say, you know, speaking, uh, spoke to the strong bond that's formed between them, meaning uh, Din and Bay and Grogu. Uh, Baby Yoda have it's going to be hard to kick. Anyway, uh, so if you. It's going to be an interesting question for that character as well. Does he want to go with the Jedi? If 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 somebody, whether it's Force Obi Wan or if it's Ezra or if it's Luke Skywalker, brought you know coming along to come grab him, or whoever turns oh, yeah. up, turns up and says, "Come with me." Does he want to do that? Because part of me says he's not going to want and, to do that and you can Force be, powers, no force powers. you could be absolutely you could be absolutely correct that it's just like no i want to hang out with you and so every time you say jedi it's like you got to practice your violin you know but i'm i'm you couple that though with his i mean it's not like again it's not harry potter mad at you know dudley dursley and then accidentally sets a snake on him you know it's purposefully choking someone it's purposefully throwing them around the cells it's purposefully you know doing these things so if he was trained you know he was not on the straight and narrow or he's just got a lot of baggage right now that he's just dealing with which that could be Mm -hmm. as well no i was just gonna say real quick and again that's one of the issues we really haven't tackled in the series it's so far i mean because he's been "Quote unquote, Baby Yoda," as I make air quotes on a audio medium. Uh, we have been kind of mostly thinking of him as a child, as the child, therefore not capable of making choices, decisions, not having much awareness of what's happening around him. More, more reacting than acting. And I think the fact that Ahsoka dropped on us that he has been trained on Coruscant, that he had many Jedi masters. You know, well, now we're hearing him, you know, you're hearing him making conscious decisions, you know, whether positive or negative, whether 
he wants to or not. And that's uh well, and here's the thing is that a new dynamic for him. Well, and do the math that if, if he was, it, he could have been trained at the temple for a good 15 some odd years. How we don't right. know how old a uh, baby Yoda is taken from his family to go to the temple. But we do know that, you know, humans are, it's pretty much, as a as a baby you know they identify him and they take him and it's like because anakin at nine was too old you know right and so what i'm saying so he could have been it's not like he just you know had one or two semesters of you know basic jedi train it 15 years you know could be you know or you know even more you know um because he's 50 now it's been 25 ish since the fall of you know the of the republic so i mean that gives him a lot of time that he could be you know trained in the force i i enjoy speculating like this but i also feel like i don't i don't agree with this particular possibility um because of what we've talked about on the show before which is like this can't make him damien no when you when you paint yourself into a corner oh, okay um and we've talked about that several times where it's like you with, within the storytelling you you make decisions and you make choices and that leads to another choice and eventually you get to a position where you can't make certain choices anymore because of what you've done previously and i feel like we're at that stage with baby yoda uh as a phenomenon um, you turn that character evil, and I just think you're going to have people revolting in the streets. Um, people are too attached to that character, and I just, I really wouldn't see them making that choice for that reason alone. Um, These are the same you know, guys who put a salacious crumb on a stick while a live one was watching it cook. I'm just saying that they have kind of a dark sense of humor. That yeah, so, but you're 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 right though. You're you're absolutely right that it it would also screw up a lot of marketing because, like I said, all of a sudden this cute cuddly bunny has become, like I said, Satan. You know, but I'm just saying that he's. It, I I think it's just like with Boba Fett, just like with Din, figuring out that there are complexities with Mandalorians. There's complexities with this character of Baby Yoda that he is not just the the harmless fun loving child who wants to play with the ball he's you know can rip your head off and and that's fair because we've seen that with every jedi pretty much on film or even in in print um they all have a weakness about them the the capacity for turning to evil and that's that's just that's always there and to be fair he hasn't been training and hasn't been you know Mm -hmm. keeping up with his you know jedi-ness for 25 years you know so we we got that from the last episode so he's just reacting on emotion and on instinct yeah absolutely um but in my main point though is that i i think we're seeing that he's not like I said, these aren't just accidents that he's doing. He's making, he is making choices as a character to do certain things. Um, and he's one powerful little dude. So, but he gets, why do you think, why do you, I mean, do you think it's because why does he get like sleepy after doing is just because he's out of practice? Is it like me not running for three months and then trying to run, you know, two miles and I need a nap afterwards? Um, or is there is there something something bigger going on? And I also want to say Moff Gideon says 
you're getting better at that stuff. That was kind of an interesting throw line there that he had in there. You're getting better at that. Meaning it almost seemed to me like Moff Gideon has seen him do this before. Well, part of me wonders if it, how much of the force he tapped into while on the run being hidden. Because it would strike me that given that he's still very young, relatively speaking, for his species, he's still reacting very much as a kid. By which I mean, you know, we saw him in the episode where uh, the Mandalorian went in the morrow and they went to uh, uh, break into that little secret lab, how he casually used the force to get the blue macaroons from the other kid. I wonder if he was a cavalier with his use of it beforehand, or if he was being cautious about even reaching into the force to do anything. You know, it could very well be something where it's like a bike, you know, it takes you a while to get the hang of it if you haven't done it for 15, 20 years. I think, like, playing off of one thing you just said, Aaron, too, which is, like, have have they seen him do this before? Um, Well, yes, clearly they had him um, under wraps the first time Din delivered him. But it makes me curious, did they previously have him in their possession? That's that's my point. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Like even before this episode or this series even began, because the very beginning of episode one, Din's goal is, you know, bring us this child. Well, why did they want him so much in the first place? Did they already know? Had they already captured him previously, interacted well, with him? Because well, interesting, because first of all, Warner uh, Herzog, the client, knows who he is or knows what he's sending him after. Dr. Pershing, who gets name dropped in this episode again, knows exactly who and what he is. So there's some awareness of what the child is in some regards from these two characters who are serving Moff Gideon. And then, which brings back the other the other commandment from the other uh, order from the client was, you bring him back to us or you kill him. Like, we either get it or we nobody gets it. So it makes me wonder, in those 20-some-odd years after uh, the Jedi Temple fell and he went and things went dark, again, her quotes on the official media, um, if he had been running, he had runnings with multiple factions or multiple people who are all after him. Because right now, all we know that the only, the only group we know for certain is after him is the Empire or the remnant of the Empire being commanded by Moff Gideon. There might be others. We just haven't met them yet. So, so Dave, would it be acceptable for um, Grogu to be the one who kills Moff Gideon at the end of uh, a, a season somewhere? Because I've, another line I found it really interesting was that when Gideon is teasing him, saying, have you seen one of these? And he has the Darksaber out. He's like, oh, no, you don't want to play with this. You'll hurt yourself. I just... If this was an action movie, then that would be, you know, Baby Yoda throwing a, a lightsaber into Gideon's chest and saying, oh, yeah, you mean like that type of thing. Anyway, I'm just speculating and having fun. But <laughs> Baby Yoda figure I, with, you know, force action throwing Darksaber into Moff Gideon's chest. You know, and I was, I'll, I'll, I'll transition us briefly into the, back to your topic of who was he trying to talk to, if anybody um i have a theory 
that it might have been not entirely altruistic of Ahsoka to send uh, our characters to Tython in the first place. I think she really, she's trying to find Ezra as we understand it for the end of rebels and the Thrawn name drop and everything else. Um, so sending the child to a broadcast point to bring other Jedi kind of out of the woodwork like Ezra <laughs> uh, might have been her end game more so than just trying to find a home for this child. But then why wouldn't, why wouldn't she, I, I, I get your point, but then why wouldn't she just go there if that was a place where she could, you know, get on, you know, party line with all the Jedi around, you know, um, yeah, you, you know, you could write that in easily enough. She I'm doesn't just, have the same sort of connection that she knows that Grogu does to, you know, broadcast force or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I don't me, know. Makes me wonder if, if such an effort, it, it takes a lot out of you. Maybe Ahsoka mm -hmm. didn't think she could do it on her own and leave herself exposed to whoever came calling, whereas she may have better trust in Baby Yoda doing it because he might be his connection to the Force might be stronger than hers. Whereas he also has the Mandalorian to protect him. Actually, you know, my other my other bullet point in here was, it, and my comment's going to lead to that. Um, I think I, I think it's probably more along the lines of what he was there to do in the first place was just to figure out what his path is supposed to be and basically to get a blessing to say, I don't want to do this Jedi stuff. I want to go off with this guy who's my dad, who's become my dad. Because I mean the, the father son theme is like always been strong in Star Wars and now it's being it's all over the place because you have, you know, she said you know, Ahsoka said you are um, you know, she ba basically said you're like a father to him, didn't she? Or am I making that up? I mean, a, a big connection anyway. You got Boba Fett talking about, you know, his father, Django. Um, of course, you have Din who has, we saw him being, you know, you know, his father being, you know, killed in front of him, basically. Um, so I, I really think that it's probably more the the simpler path of, he's just wanting it's it's just praying to the jedi saying somebody please just tell me that it's okay for me not to do this jedi stuff and to go off with this guy he's looking for a blessing basically um i don't know well go, you know and circling back to the point i was making i'm not trying to say that ahsoka's secretly evil or something crazy no. like that. i'm saying more of a perspective of Two oh, birds, one that's stone. That's the title. That's the title of this podcast episode now. Ahsoka evil question mark, and that will get all the clicks. Okay, let's get the clicks. Um, but I, you know, I feel like it might have been a two birds, one stone kind of situation from her perspective. Um, you're asking why wouldn't she do it herself? Well, they are trying to find a you know a place for the child and trying to figure out his future. But while he's at it. Let's just send this message out into space and see what turns out. You know, um, I'm just thinking it may not been, have been entirely altruistic on her part. But, you know, back to the point of him and um, this idea of parental relationships. Um, I think it's really interesting that Boba 
Din and Grogu are all parentless. And I don't know, that may just be a, a coincidence with how things they're are all lining they're up all right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we, we talk about this rhyming and echoing in Star Wars. It's, a, it's an effective way of telling a story because you can bounce um, different variations of a character off of your character to sort of um, emphasize um, what's good or interesting about them. Um, and I think in this case, I, you know, it's, it's clearly, um, I think Boba is clearly going to be a really important character going forward in this story. Um, you know, they may, they may kill him off in two episodes. I don't know, but it will well, have a know. major impact. So, um, so first of all, to all the the nerds out there who heard me misspoke, no, um, Boba is not a foundling. Django was. Um, I I know that, and I will say my transgressions. I'll you know confess my transgressions later. Um, but so let's talk about. You said okay, so maybe Boba Fett killed off in a couple episodes, but but maybe not. Remember what we've we, one of the stories we talked about earlier, um, what, months ago. All the rumors going on that. They said basically the second half of this season was setting up everybody's like, you know, Disney Plus series basically. And one of the rumors that has been thrown around there is that there is going to be a Boba Fett. And it does kind of seem it's like, okay, so can you see, let me just ask you guys, can you see and would you be into a Disney Plus series that is Boba Fett and Fennec Shan, Tamara Morrison and Ming-Na Wen? flying around slave one d- doing whatever it is they're doing. Are they bounty hunters? Are they, you know, going after somebody, you know, I don't know. Can, now that you have given new life, you've, you've rescued the wretched, you know, maybe it is going to be an episode or, or a series. Could you, would you be down with that now? I could see it. I'd be okay with it. I, I think what's interesting is this. It's, uh, we all got told that, oh, because of various behind-the-scenes issues, the second half of this series, of this season, I'm sorry, wouldn't have as much Din Jaren. And so far, He's been that there. hasn't happened. He's front and center. We've had, I mean, maybe the episode where uh, Grief Cargo and uh, Cara Dune and uh, the Mithril are, you know, running back. They're, you know, that was mostly them. But by and large, it's, he's been there. I guess what I would say is it could create a different juxtaposition uh, given that we established that that character is around, if we want to keep him around, if we want to keep Fennec Shen around. I mean, you could have any, you know, eight-episode series and just hire the likes of Robert Rodriguez or um, James Mangold and just tell him, okay, you're making the more PG-13 version of uh, of The Mandalorian, you know, if you want to do that, so... There's many ways to go about it. They don't, you know, Disney Plus movie, whatever. I like him in this series. I would like him in a, in a separate series as well. Um, at this point, especially because it's like, okay, you know, a blank slate can can be a good thing if you do something interesting with that blank slate, you know, and they're starting to do that with Boba Fett. Finally, uh, much to everybody's joy. 
and appreciation. So uh, more Boba Fett, I'm all about that. Um, what I'm really curious to see is where um, still the, the major storyline, the through line of this season continues to be, is Manda going to embrace fatherhood, right? Um, well, and he was, I'm, he I'm was really ready curious to, leave. to see where that goes. He was ready to leave. He said the child's gone. I mean, yeah. he was he was trying to get himself to that place where it's like, and then, but when Boba Fett said, "No, we'll help you," then he's like, "All right, yeah, okay, good." And then they, you know, so it is interesting. He did try to make that choice because you've mentioned that several weeks, you know. It, but he did try to make that choice. He's he's tried to make the choice to train the kid. And and step aside, but he's been denied that choice. He 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 was at he was not at a point to embrace fatherhood. He tried to make the choice to give the kid up, and it didn't work out. Um, and so, I think like it's really really kind of cool in a way that his failings in letting this father son relationship develop um, maybe more naturally or, or more um, quickly uh, have actually sort of denied Grogu an upbringing more like what he might've experienced as a child, because we know that as a foundling um, he was kind of indoctrinated into this strict sect of Mandalorians who had this really narrow, almost fervent uh, sort of uh, approach to life and everything else um, in sort of, you know, dragging his feet on this decision um, and, and getting to a point where, oh, you missed an opportunity and, oh, you may have missed another opportunity. Well, Grogu's not going to be pulled into that kind of a um, situation now um, because like he's not going to be trained as a Jedi. Um, I mean, he may eventually, we may end up there, but for now he's, it's not happening for him. And, and so, you know, you can, you can take the parallels between the Jedi order and this crazy dogmatic, uh, version of the Mandalorians that um, Mando was in. Uh, it's really not hard to see that. Um, and you can begin to say, well, the Jedi Order was very flawed and, and maybe not so good for people as it turned out. Maybe it's a good thing that Grogu would not be folded into being trained as a Jedi. Um, and And maybe sort of by accident... <laughs> Mando's providing his son, his son in air quotes, a different experience than he had, um, and maybe what you might even call a better experience. So before we get to that better experience, they've got to they've got to rescue the little kid. And so this is this is not one of my theories, but I, I was listening to the Star Wars Underworld podcast, and they um, Dominic Jones brought this up, and it was a really good point. You know, we've talked about the Western motif obviously since the beginning of this series um, they're kind of setting up a magnificent seven type of a thing here because we're going to have Mando Boba Fett 
Fennec Shan. They're getting Mayfeld. There's probably going to be a Cobb Vanth. You're going to have Cara Dune. You're going to have Chubbs. You know what I mean? You're like all the, all the players are coming in to be, you know, to, to be this team. (laughs) You you just just listed seven people. (laughs) You listed seven people. Yeah. Yeah. Seven samurai. Well, and then, but then we got to throw in Bosk. Bosk isn't in yet. We got Bosk has to come in, you know. They're going to be, they're going to be next episode. They're going to be flying somewhere. Where are we going? Oh, I got to pick up a friend first and you know, Hey, thanks for the ride, man. You know, but, uh, but no, I've literally, seriously, that's seems to be kind of where they're going with this. Well, the, the other made one of the other major influences on star Wars has always been the world war two movies of the, uh, fifties and sixties stuff like the dirty dozen where Eagles dare all those kind of action, you know, war films that um, were prevalent at that time, post-World War II. So that, that's what this feels like. Like, okay, we're going on a mission. And we got to invade the heavily, uh, you know, fortified, impregnable fortress. Uh, we got to get our hacker. We got to get this guy. We got to get an explosives guy. We got to get the right, it, it might end up being more like the Dirty Dozen. Or the, yeah, the Dirty Dozen, because you got to throw in Bo-Katan in there. Ahsoka's got to probably come in at some point, or maybe she's done for the season. But uh, Bo-Katan wants the um, dark, dark saber, saber, so she's going to be involved. But we're we're se- we're setting up a team. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. Yeah, very much so. So it, it, it's it's an interesting point that they're bringing us to because very much like la- last season, if you remember, season one ended with the child uh, in danger. Our heroes trapped by Moff Gideon, and uh, them not knowing what they're going to do to get out. And then IG-11 came in riding into town, a whooping and a whooping, and uh, saved them. Uh, so I guess this is now the reverse. Now our heroes are going to have to go in and save Baby Yoda, or Grogu in this case, uh, from Moff Gideon. Aaron, I couldn't help thinking back to your comment from the Ahsoka episode about that uh, Beskar spear and how once that ship blew up the only thing that was left was the little ball and the Beskar spear yeah yeah oh hey I need this plot device good still there (laughs) that's gonna that's gonna happen but here's the biggest here's the biggest mystery of this episode and of of the second season here's the biggest mystery where do the rockets for Boba Fett's backpack come from? Because Cobb Vanth had one and he used it. And then there's another one all of a sudden when Boba Fett gets, steals the armor back from the razor crest. (laughs) It's like, is this just standard issue? Inquiring minds want to know. Um, But uh, maybe maybe in the back of the backpack, there's like a little containment with like three or four. Yeah. So no, it's yeah. just, just right into, into battle with just one rocket. Well, I was, but that, I, I don't know. We've never seen where this happens, but anyway, no, it was, it was just kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, you keep the rockets in the diaper bag. That's right. That's right. Um, no, you know, like I said, this episode, I, I was like, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with it. Um, here's the other thing, everybody. By the way, if because um, Bill Burr 
Bill Burr, right? Not Bill Barr, but Bill Burr. <laughs> Bill Burr um, denied being in any more Mandalorian. And lo and behold, he's probably going to be in more Mandalorian. So if you read an article where somebody says, no, I'm not going to be in this show or no, them's just, that's just jokes or that's just rumors or nobody's talked to me. They're probably lying through their teeth called an NDA. So, you know, so I just, when you see an article that says, no, this is not going to happen. Might, might just happen. So, um, but yeah. And this is also one of the first, uh, on loc well, they're on location filming this because apparently some hikers like videoed part of this episode like way back when they were filming it because they're just kind of wandering around the California, you know, desert and everything and come up on some stormtroopers, you know, and everything. So <laughs> that was apparently a spoiler that was out there. So it's kind of funny. But uh um all I know is I want more slave one. That was good. Well I think we've exhausted this episode. It was a short episode. You know, Thirty-two. I will find out how long. Do we know how long the next episode is going to be? Anybody seen anything? Not no, not yet. They haven't said anything for running time nor title. Usually comes from a German website, I think. So, um, but uh, um, so anyway, uh, anything else for the good of the order before we say good night? No, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, right to the finish now because we have this episode. Then the finale of the season next week, right before we get to the holidays. So, Merry Christmas, kids! You might hopefully don't leave with a bad cliffhanger. <laughs> um, you know, one last thing I'll say um, to Aaron to the point you were talking about when people have to the actors and so forth have to deny involvement and everything else. Um, Shelby Young, a voice actor, came out this week and and admitted that she has voiced several characters uh, that um, made appearances in this show. Um, I think that's noteworthy because she has played Princess Leia before. So just putting that out there. So maybe Grogu was talking to Leia. Could yeah, be. Possible. You never know, you know, which actually, and I, I don't want to belabor the things more. It, it would make more sense for that or, you know, because I've, I've seen some people say you, you could even have Mark Hamill do a voice and it could be like a, you know, a force projection type of a thing that would be kind of blurry. So, you know, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be, wouldn't have to be, you know, 1989 Mark Hamill de-aged, you know, um, but there are things you could do and that even, you know, Princess Leia, if you had a voice actor, you know, because you don't need to see a person, you just need to hear a voice and go, oh my God, he's talking to Leia. You know, Ewan McGregor, those things, that all makes a little bit more sense than if you were to bring in Ezra all of a sudden. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm just, just within the timeline, but that's something that Dave Filoni needs to resolve at some point. And I think we all are like, okay, well, you got Ahsoka and you got Thrawn, so throw in Ezra and I agree with that but uh I wouldn't put it past being just use a voice actor for you know a Leia cameo so mm -hmm. guess yeah. we'll see I mean again all these all these characters are out there doing their thing but we know they share a connection through the force so 
uh, Grogu grabbing the bullhorn and going, hey, I'm here. You have no idea who he might be calling both lights out and dark. I, st- I still got five bucks on Force Ghost Obi-Wan. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, all right. Well, cool. You guys have everybody have a great week. Oh, Dave, tell people how they can get us. Yes, you can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Alexa, Amazon Music and Audible, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Cool. And uh, until then, until next week, I suppose. Uh, and remember, Friday, don't you twenty four hours before you post anything about the Mandalorian. But otherwise, if you need me, I'll I'll be on MySpace. Um, so, <laughs> but until then, we will all say who dat. Who dat? Have a great week, everybody. My